Good morning. Good morning, Rabotai. Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Breakfast in the Class today has been sponsored and dedicated um, in loving memory of Mrs. Lily Safra Leah Shalom Batchana. Her philanthropy has reached so many throughout the entire world. And the month of Kobru is dedicated in honor of Rachel Sayed, donated by her children. Breakfast in the class also dedicated in loving memory of Isaac Marcus, Yishak Ben Sophia, sponsored by his grandson Isaac Beta. And as well, dedicated in loving memory of Rachel Silvera, sponsored by Carol and Maurice Silvera. Breakfast in the class is dedicated in honor of Rabbi Mizrahi, sponsored anonymously. Um, and as well, Esther Bat Victoria, sponsored by the Shwai family. And last but not Shwai. And last but not least, uh, as well, dedicated. <laughs> and last but not least, as well, dedicated in loving memory of Albert David Misri Alava Shalom, Lilui Nishmat Avraham David Ben Yafa, sponsored by Linda and Morris Misri and family. I remember the bet, the bet Knesset actually packed to the gills upstairs before I even took this job, where all the young people got together and they arranged a speech here in the bet Knesset. So I was actually, I'd, I'd come over, uh, you know, for one more, uh, uh, maybe it was an interview Shabbat or something, and every single seat in the room was taken, and the average age in the room was something like, uh, uh, it was uh, maybe between uh, uh, 20 and uh, 20 and 23. That was, uh, sorry? You brought up the average. It was, uh, that was, uh, uh, what's it called, a, uh, a very a poignant moment. He's, uh, he was loved, he was loved by so many and missed, and is missed by so many. <clears throat> but uh, as an Ilui Nishama, uh, we have the great deeds of his, uh, of his family, of his parents, the Torah of his father who sits and learns with me all the time, uh, and Be'ezrat Hashem as well, Bizocheh, to do many, many more great mitzvot, to be Ma'alez Nishama, Ma'ala, Ma'ala, to the highest heavens. As well, in the memory of my uh, wife's uncle who passed away, uh, tragically this week, uh, who had a heart attack in the, in the airport, gone his way to Israel uh, to visit, his, to visit his, his, uh, his, uh, his children in Israel. And um, uh, he's sitting shiv, the family sitting shiva this week in memory of Haim Moshe Zev uh, ben Israel. Okay, Rabotai, we have had a night, have we not? We've had a night. And I don't know if people, people are unsure how to react uh, to the results of the news coming in last night, both locally and uh, nationally as well. People are upset. People are wondering what to do, how to, re- you know, how to treat this issue. And in fact, in many, many ways, uh, some of that, you know, the results are not yet completely in, so we await to see what's happened uh, you know, on House and Senate uh, races as well. But uh, how does a Jew react uh, to what, we, what we've seen last night. Shem has a plan. How do we react to what's going to be on our streets? How do we react to all the issues that everybody kind of got up and got out and did everything that they needed to do uh, in order to try and change the story on the streets of Gotham? You know, what are we going to do without Batman to save us in the subways on the streets? What are we going to do? And the answer is, if you're a Jew... You don't need someone who doesn't know if his underwear goes on top of his pants or underneath. We don't need a Batman or a Superman who can't figure out how to get dressed. We don't need that. As we say uh, every single day, Al tiftechu bin divim. Beben adam she'en lo 
Don't place your faith in human beings, in uh, people who are going to give you money or uh, uh, issues for your school. Or Don't worry. You know why? Because at the end of the day, any human being that you place your trust in them, right? What happens to that guy? What's the next pasuk? This guy is going to go, he's going to be buried back in the earth. You know, he doesn't have any strength. He doesn't have any future. There's only one being that we place our trust and our faith in, and that is Bore Olam. Bore Olam is the ultimate independent candidate. Okay? He's no part of no party. He doesn't need any party lines. He doesn't need any super PAC. So why do we make a big deal about going to vote if we trust God? And the answer, my friends, is simple. We have to do ours. And I have to say, I think the Jewish community of, of different types and stripes really did their best to try and protect the education of their children, to try and protect the crime uh, you know, levels from spiking higher, uh, the, the, the insane taxation that, that took place you know, uh, and, and is going to take place. So all these things that, we, that it's obvious to us that we need to try and put our hand you know, on the wheel, you know, we did. But here's the crazy thing about Judaism. Judaism believes something very powerful. And I like to always share it from this perspective. When Adam Arishon sins in the Garden of Eden, the punishment is swift and is particular. It's specific. What's the curse of the earth? What's the curse of the snake? But what's the curse of Adam Arishon? The Pasuk says, By the sweat of your brow shall you eat bread. And what that means to me is something very simple. It means that you're going to sweat to eat. There was once a time where everything that you needed, it came easy. But from here on out, human beings, in order to be able to make a living, in order to be able to get what they want, to achieve what they need, they're going to need to work for what they want. But what's interesting to me is this. And I like giving this example. You see a guy on the streets of the city and he's sweating bullets. He's wearing... Uh, a t-shirt, shorts, running sneakers. You know the guy has just been working out. Now imagine if I asked you, can you guess for me where this guy ran? Did he run uptown? Did he run downtown? Did he run east to west, west to east in the city? Can you tell me where his sweat has come from? Impossible. You don't know if he ran uptown, downtown, right, left, Central Park, Batir. You don't know if he ran on a treadmill. Maybe he didn't even leave his apartment. You can't tell from whence the sweat has come. All you know when you see someone sweating is that they worked hard. They ran somewhere. Such is the nature of human beings' efforts and their endeavors upon this earth. We don't know which direction we have to run. If we run uptown or downtown, if we ran inside, and you know what, we never left the same four feet you know, squared of the guy's own little room where he works out. I don't, you, know, you don't know if the guy even moved at all. You, you know one thing, and that's what is required of every human being, and that is effort. My friends, this morning I woke up, and I checked the results or whatever it was, and I saw you know, a, 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 a speech that she gave, and I'm not nervous at all, because that is also part of what it means to be a Jew. It means that we put in ours, and it doesn't matter where that effort went, so long as we, in good conscience, 
believed, prayed, did our thing. Now it's God's turn. And God, it won't actually matter who's sitting in that seat. Ultimately, once we've done ours, now we can let go and know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to take care of everything else. And I do believe that the community did its, its part. I do believe that there was more engagement in the Kehillah than there has ever been. So now, now we let go, and now we let God. My friends, I want to illustrate this point by teaching you something that I learned that was very powerful for me. The Gemara in Sanhedrin describes the house of Abraham Avinu. And I think some of you feel this morning that maybe you'd like to emulate Abraham Avinu in more ways than one. It tells us that Abraham Avinu pitched his tent in the middle of the desert. Anyone? I think you, might, I think you kind of feel the tax bracket in the desert is much, smaller, is much smaller, right? Et cetera, et cetera. Abraham Avinu's house was in the desert. Says Rashi, not only does it mean that Abraham went to nowhere so he wouldn't be uh, influenced by the influences around him, the negative influences of the place he, he grew up in, but more than that, not only was his house in the desert, his house was the desert. And Rashi explains, just like the desert is hefker, belongs to everybody, there's no ownership. In Avraham Avinu's house, there was no ownership. Anyone that came in was at home. Anyone that came in was made to feel that the house was as much theirs as the owners itself. And I want to share with you an example of this concept to the extreme degree that a human being can embody this idea. There's a rabbi, I love quoting, his name was Rabbi Galinsky. And he grew up as a uh, yeshiva, ba, a yeshiva bachur back in the day where they had literally nothing to eat, you know. Um, we love to talk about all the time about how bad things are and how we wish they were different. But as the Jewish people in the, in the diaspora, we have never ever had it this good. At any time in history, with the rising crime rates, with whatever taxes, with whatever issues in the school, there were times when we lived in a place where they took over and they shut down the Jewish school completely. If you taught Torah in public under Roman domination, you were murdered and executed publicly, like Rabbi Akiva was. So we're upset that they're kind of introducing elements into our curriculum. We have our curriculum. We have our schools. And it is so important to live in the world of the positive and not live in the world of the, cyn of the cynical and of the negative and recognize the unbelievable blessings that we do have and not only the challenges that are sprinkled here and there between uh, our, our, our goodness and our blessing. So my friends, he lived in a time when you studied your Torah and you had nothing. There was no food, there was nothing. So the rabbi in the area, his name was Rabbi Avraham Yaffa. That was his name. And he had all the boys, they would sleep in his house, in the hallway, on the floor. They would eat at his table. If there was anything in the kitchen, they were encouraged to make themselves at home to eat whatever they want. Anyway, the boys, what would they eat? They would have a little piece of bread, you know, and a small piece of fish. That was their Seudat Shabbat. Then they went to study, you know, where they got a little bit of tea and coffee in the Bet Knesset. Then they would come back and the rabbi would teach them until late at night. Anyway, late at night, one Friday night, all the boys, they're starving. They had one slice of bread. You know, that's their food. There's, there's, uh, you know, their, their stomachs are growling. So they turned to this boy, uh, Yaakov, at the time. Yankel was his name. And they said, Yankel, do something. Tutepis. Right? Is that how we would say it? Right? That's how you'd say it back in, in the Haim. Right? Tutepis. Do something. He felt bad. So he goes into the kitchen. He rummages around in the kitchen. He finds 
some bread. Okay, bread was very cheap, so they had bread. He brings back bread, but he found something else in the kitchen. Uh, the boys were very excited. He found a small jar of honey. And he gave everyone on the bread a little bit of honey. Okay? The boys were in heaven, even though it was only one more slice of bread. But that extra kind of sweetness really kind of woke them up. They were so, they were so excited. It's only a little while later that this man, this boy, finds out that the Rabbanit, that Rabbi Yaffa's wife, the Rabbanit, turned over heaven and earth to get that small jar of honey. You couldn't find it anywhere. She paid an astronomical for their ability, amount, to be able to get it. And she was saving it for the upcoming holiday of Passover to be able to make a very special dish for Passover, to make have something nice for the holiday. That's what she was saving it for. The boy feels terrible. What did they have? They share everything. Now she finally got her hands on a small delicacy. Now we're going to... You know, I remember reading about the time, during the times before the war, where you had a mother trying to figure out, she got hold of a little olive oil, and she was trying to decide if she should make a, a potato latke for her son, or she should use the little olive oil she had to be able to light Shabbat candles. These are the decisions that they made. They had nothing. So the boy feels terrible, and he decides he's going to apologize to the rabbi's wife. But before he gets a chance, unfortunately, the war breaks out. And he's exiled, they go from there to Siberia, they go from there from one place to another, to Uzbekistan, from there to Germany, he goes through the concentration camps, and he doesn't know if he's ever going to get the chance to say sorry to the Rabbanit for having stolen the one delicacy that she had in her house in the kitchen. In the year Tafshin Yud Aleph, so roughly 72 years ago, I think it's around 1950 it should be, the rabbi is in Eretz Israel. he manages to escape with his life to Israel, and he hears that his old rabbi, Rabbi Yaffa, and his wife, the Rabbanit, are coming to Israel to visit. He can't believe it. This is his chance, right, to say sorry for all those years ago. He didn't know if he'd live, if she'd live. Anyway, they come, and the rabbi stands up in front of all the boys, and he says, look, we have to rebuild. We need to make the yeshivot strong again. We need to wake up Am Yisrael. We've lost six million Jews. What are we going to do? Every boy is given a chance to give the thoughts what they thought they could do to be able to help rebuild Judaism anew. And finally it's his turn. He says, Yaakov, your turn. And he stands up and he says, before I say anything, he says, I have to give an apology. The rabbi's there, all the boys, and the rabbanit is sitting by herself in the couch in the side of the room, listening to everything that's being said. He says, I'd like to apologize. Before the war broke out, we were all like we used to sleep in the house, used to eat in the house, and there was one Friday night we were all starving, and I went in the kitchen, I took some bread, and I found a little jar of honey. And I'm so sorry to say, I found out afterwards, Rabbanit, that you were saving it for the holiday, and I took it, and I have to apologize, please, if you could find it in your heart to forgive me. The Rabbanit gets up, and she starts yelling. They were all taken aback. They never saw, she didn't say one word, now she's yelling, she's yelling at him. But they focus in and they hear she's like, I can't believe that you're telling me this. I can't believe that you're standing here today apologizing for the... He's like shrinking into himself, does not reaction, he says. He, she says, I can't believe you're apologizing. When it is me that should be apologizing to you. How could it be that someone has in their house some starving boys and they get a little bit of honey... And I should have put it aside for the holiday, for a little dish, for me and my husband. I'm apologizing to you that you had to go to the kitchen and take it. And I didn't offer it myself. 
please, can you accept my apology? Myself and the rabbi, that we should apologize to you boys for not having thought to give it to you of our own volition. The rabbi's name was Rabbi Avram Yaffa. And like they say, Kishmo, Ken Hu, like his name, so he is. A great-grandson, a descendant of Avraham Avinu himself, of Sarai Menu herself, who did an act, who lived a, a life where their house was a midbar, was open to everyone, where everything was hefker. Everyone understood you could take everything. And what does he apologize for? He apologizes, and she apologizes for the fact that someone apologized to them for taking something from their kitchen that they'd put aside, the little small thing, even that we should have shared more openly. My friends, the Gemara tells us something astounding about Avraham Avinu. The Gemara says <clears throat> that everything that Avraham Avinu did by himself, HaKadosh Baruch Hu rewarded him himself. Avraham said to, uh, to what's it called? To the guests, he said, I'm gonna, he runs and he gets them chalot. Avraham Avinu el habakar ratz Avraham. Avraham runs to the meat, says the Gemara, Whatever Abraham did himself, God rewarded him himself. God himself brought bread from the earth, from the heavens. He brought the manna to the Jewish people because Abraham himself had brought the bread. What Abraham ran after the, the meat, we find HaKadosh Baruch Hu brought the slav, the birds, uh, to the Jewish people so they were all able to eat enough meat until they could, could stand no more meat. God, you did it yourself, I'm rewarding yourself. However, says the Gemara, when it came to the water, what does Avraham say? Yukahna ma'atmaim. What does yukah mean? Strange word. Yukah means it should be taken. Water should be taken. He told someone else, go get the water for them. Let them wash off their feet. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, you didn't do that yourself. You got someone else to do that. I'm going to get someone else to give your children water. Who does God institute to give the Jewish people water? Moshe Rabbeinu. When Moshe hits the rock and uh, he brings the water for the Jewish people. You walked with the guests. Hashem says, Hashem yelech lachem. Hashem yelech. God is going to walk with you uh, because you walked with the guests. My friends, God's attention to detail in the way we do and his retribution, so to speak, his recompense, when he rewards us, is, is exactly lefi, mida, is exactly according to measure. But the Chachamim point out something unbelievable. Look at this for one second with me. Moshe Rabbeinu brings the water, we know, that causes him to lose his ability to enter into the land of Israel because he hits the rock instead of speaking to it. Our rabbis tell us that if Moshe Rabbeinu had gone into the land of Israel, he would have built the temple, the temple would have been indestructible, Mashiach would have come. The Zohar writes, Ad Yavo Shiloh, until Shiloh comes, which is a reference to Mashiach, the numerical value of Shiloh is exactly 345. Okay? Shin Yud, Lamed He. The Gematria of Moshe Rabbeinu, Mem Shin He, is exactly 345. Moshe Rabbeinu himself would have been the Mashiach. But it doesn't go that way. Think, my friends. What if Avraham, instead of saying, get him water, had got the water himself? There would have been no stone. There would have been no stick. There would have been no Moshe. We would have been straight to Mashiach. Everything would have been avoided. My friends, you know what it's like? It's like taking a long-range rifle. 
Whenever you do something, think of a long range rifle. You pick up the gun. You know what difference it makes in the actual target uh, at that? You can shoot a bullet uh, like a mile. I don't even know how far these people take people out. Shema Israel. Okay? You know how far you could go? Unbelievable. But when you're shooting at that distance, you have to calculate for the wind. You have to calculate, there's, the, there's an exactitude. That, because you know what? If you're off by this much at this location, as the bullet moves, a quarter of a millimeter off, as the bullet moves, what happens here is it's imperceptible. As it goes, the distance becomes more and more and more. You take a little pebble and you stick it underneath one SpaceX rocket. It's off, again, the pebble is this big. By the time it gets to space, you missed the planet you were trying to go to entirely. Because over time, God pays back dividends for mitzvot over an incredible amount of time. 2,000 generations he pays back kindness. But the difference in the kindness at the moment of recording is huge. So what you did yourself makes a huge difference. So I'm going to ask and issue a challenge to every person who's listening to this around the world. And that is, we learned from Avraham what it means to have a house where people are welcome. But we also learned from Avraham what it means to do the mitzvah yourself. Every person in this world gives money to tzedakah. I believe everyone, Am Yisrael is full of kindness. But you see the difference between kindness that happens through a messenger and kindness that happens through God Himself. I don't want a messenger, Democratic or Republican. I don't want a messenger in the House or in the Senate. I want to receive goodness from God Himself. But in order to do that, you need to sweat yourself for the mitzvot. I know a lot of people who give money to Torah, and that's great. Continue to do so. But that's not the same as learning Torah yourself. I know a lot of people who give to fund people to eat meals in Israel. That's not the same as having people sitting at your table, picking up a couple of guests in the synagogue in the Knis on Friday night. I had someone recently who asked me, who said, you know, I've been here for so long, I haven't gotten an invitation. I said, it's not really in the culture in Manhattan. You know, everyone has small apartments. You know, also if a guy is not such a good guy, you have no place to escape in a small apartment. Uh, your guy's a really boring guy, you know, you got nowhere to go, right? So, um, but my friends, at the end of the day, those kindnesses are magnified a thousand times. We know that God rewards midah connected midah. So let's make a short list for ourselves. What were we worried about yesterday when we went to the polls? And let's make an investment with God on those issues. So as an example, if it's regarding something to do with security and safety, let's invest in security and safety for people that don't have security and safety. That might mean helping out people who have synagogues or schools that have a security budget that we want to help commit towards. Or volunteering for security patrols in a neighborhood with Shomrim at certain neighborhoods that we have in Flatbush and Brooklyn and other places that, that exist. Let's invest, my friends. We're crying about the education of our children and what's going to be taught to them. So let's invest in their education ourselves. Let's decide to share education with people who we meet. When we make these investments ourselves, then Borei Olam rewards us as a people for those things. So yesterday you went to put your, your vote in a box and that was what God wanted from you. But maybe the results didn't result in exactly the way that you wanted. So what do you do? Do we go back to sleep? Do we cry ourselves a river? We're not that kind of people. We've seen much worse things and survived much worse things. So let's do what we know how to do and invest in our future today 
by doing mitzvot and ma'asim tovim in the lanes within which we were worried for tomorrow. And then we can surely know that Borei Olam, Lev Melachim Biyad Amonai, the heart of kings and those in power belongs to him. And Hashem will ensure that everything that we need will be uh, taken care of uh, tenfold. Baruch Adonai Le'olam.